Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports, recording at a very secret location here in Harlem, USA. I keep saying it's an undisclosed location. I think we should probably keep it undisclosed. I don't know. What do you think, Jamal? I agree. Yeah, we'll keep, keep, keep it, it on the low. Keep it on the low. Uh, here is my co-host, the great Jamal Murphy, to my left this time. Great, great to be here, as usual. And, uh, you know, Kevin Keating doing the stellar job on the sound. Still haven't given him a microphone yet. And uh, Raisa Kelly is somewhere here doing the video. Uh, but, man, we have um, a very, 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 very special guest, somebody I've known for a long, long time, man. And it's really quite an honor to bring him here. It's really great when you could actually know somebody this long and still be friends. Yeah. And actually be professional. Especially in your business. Profe- oh, <laughs> <laughs> Shit, kiss, what are they called? Kissing, what is it? Love them and leave them. That's what we do. Anyway, my guest, man, my guest is a great Kenny Anderson. Um, but I, I don't say like the legendary uh, Kenny Anderson. Yep. Uh, legend. Oh. Well, first of all, Kenny, Kenny, let me just say before I, well, first of all, Kenny, welcome welcome to Bill Roden on Sports. Welcome to the show. No, it's a pleasure, man. Jamal and uh, Bill, you know, like you said, I pretty much knew you. Uh, known you my whole life. <laughs> I'm young. Pretty good. Yeah, you are, well, yeah. well, we all get older. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. somebody said, because you just had a birthday, right? Yeah, my birthday was last week. Uh, right. I turned 46. See, it's October 9th. Did October you cover him in high school? Yeah, yeah. 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 That's that fact. In fact, in fact, yeah, we covered him in high school. It was so unbelievable. So, anyway, let me just say who <laughs> Kenny Anderson is so we know we, who yeah, we're yeah, talking yeah, right. to. So, Kenny Anderson, man, was um, some people arguably say that Kenny Anderson was one of the greatest high school players to come out of New York City. Um, and this, the facts are that there are only two New York, there are only two high school All-Americans four years in a row. Right. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in Lou Alcindor and Kenny Anderson. Right. Only four-time four All-Americans, you know, right. freshman year, sophomore year, right. junior, senior, four-year All-American. Uh, I probably picked him up. Probably around your freshman, sophomore yeah. year, right? Yeah, right? everybody, man, everybody. I was getting so much coverage, Daily News, New, uh, Daily News, New York Post, uh, Newsday, even I, I think I knew I made it, you know, somewhat when the New York Times, right. <laughs> you know, New York Times did an article on That's me. Right. My high school coach, Karen, was like, man, it's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> it's New York Times. <laughs> you know, that's what you do, you arrive, you know. <laughs> you know, but um, I got coach so Curry. much coverage. Uh, I got so much coverage uh, in this city. And um, it, it, it was a blessing. Man. It was great. Yeah. So so after that, you know, Malloy, and then, of course, there was a hunt. He probably is also probably one of the most highly recruited uh, basketball players coming out of uh, New York uh, instead of going to uh, North Carolina, which everybody thought you were going to go to because yeah. that's where your your mentors, Kenny Smith, went. Right. You chose Georgia Tech. Why did you choose Georgia Tech? Well, my mother. Can you, they, tell, they us, can you tell us the story now? Yeah, I will. But they they, my, they recruited my mother. They did a hell of a job. My mother, you know, Bobby Crimmins from the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mother just felt real comfortable with him. Uh, I you know, wanted to go to Syracuse. But my mother wanted me to go to Georgia Tech. Um, just was comfortable. She came. It, w- it was uh, legal back then. She came to, came with me on my visit to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. She didn't come to my visit to Syracuse. Um, but um, we went to Atlanta, and you know they just wowed my mother, man. And uh, my mother was like, 
I want you to go to Georgia Tech. I'm a mama's boy. So I'm talking about Syracuse all the way home. Man, I like Syracuse. Orange and carry it on Pearl Washington. Like Georgia Tech got Atlanta is great. Bobby Crimmins. And you boy, you going to Georgia Tech. So she told you basically? <laughs> she told me she she told me where I was going. But right. let me ask you a question. I mean, with all due respect to Jim Beheim and all yeah. I mean, I, I guess I could understand why people like Syracuse, but it was it's snowing yeah, it was, and it's like I, freezing and there's nothing going on there. Yeah, true story. I went there on my visit, it was a, it was a blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Coleman was uh was there and, right. and Sherman Douglas was a senior. Right. So I would have just I Step just would have right stepped right in and Billy Owens playing with those guys. I really didn't pay attention to it. It just got so much coverage. The tradition of Syracuse got me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And being in in the state of uh, New New York, you know what I mean? And, uh being close to you know where I grew up at four or five hour yeah. Big ride, East. Big East, mm. playing in the garden. Right, right, so that right. that was in, that was enough to intrigue me. But you know something about Coach Crimmins and uh, Atlanta, you know Southern House. I went there, had a beautiful visit. Mm. Um, I fell in love with Atlanta mm. also. Mm. And also at the time though, well, well, let's let's, let's give you your, your your resume here so people like well just to let you know how people how, how great you were. So you uh, went to Georgia Tech. But now, but you were, you know, let me just say this about people. I mean, you were recruited almost since the time you were in sixth grade. Yeah. I mean, people started in on you when you were in sixth grade. Yeah. You were mm-hmm. you were in the cover of all the New York City sports pages at 14 years old. Yeah. You know, then you went to um, uh, Georgia Tech, which you led, uh, you led them to the Final Four in 1990 with Dennis Scott, Brian Oliver. It was a great team, by the way. That was, a, that was a great team. Fun team, I know that. That was right. a fun team. But you guys lost to uh, UNLV, UNLV. Larry Johnson. <laughs> they, was, they was deep. They was loaded. Yeah. But we gave them a great, uh, that great was, game. We that just was ran the out of won, gas. Right? Yeah, we just mm-hmm. ran out of gas. Right. They was pretty deep. Yeah, right. they were, they were, they, that, I must tell you, that's one of the greatest college teams I've ever been around. Yeah. With Stacey Hall. They was like grown men out there. Well, it was. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it felt? Yeah, that's how it felt. But we lost two of my like eight points, right. man. We, we competed. Right. We just ran out of gas. They had a deep team. And I love Larry, Larry Johnson, uh, Greg Anthony, right. Stacey Ogman, right. uh, Moses Scary over here Moses. from Brooklyn. That was my guy. Um, Who the shooter? Anderson Hunt. Anderson Hunt. That was you he know was that's who lit us up. Yeah, he was a killer. You know, we we held everybody else. Uh, Stacy Ogman that night he scored on us, and he was known as a defensive specialist. But he lit us up that night, and with Anderson Hunt, and um, everybody else we had under control. But they just they just did everything the right way. It was very aggressive. Played defense. They they played they they played hard every possession. Every possession. You don't see that in college. You know, um, back then, you know, right. every possession throughout the whole game, they was they was really into it. Then they then they beat uh, they went to the final. They beat Duke by forty points. Yeah, that's the <laughs> right. first time. No, thirty points. They beat them by thirty. It was, it was like, a laugh. Yeah. That was, that was yeah. great. I, at that time, you know, I was like, you know, Duke man, they, they couldn't have beat them by enough. I want them to beat yeah. them like for hundred fifty <laughs> points. Man, it wasn't it was not enough. Well, you you went you played ACC. You shouldn't have any love loss for Duke. No, I don't have no love love <laughs> loss for them, but I do respect them. They they won a lot, but that year. Um, we had we beat them twice out of three, hmm. so we was confident if we beat UNLV, we was gonna win a championship. We was gonna that would be a championship, but we, you know, we we had a harder. You know, they played Arkansas. Arkansas was the other Final Four yeah. team: Duke, yeah. Arkansas, Georgia Tech, and uh, UNLV. Yeah. But uh, it was a great run, man. You know, being um, a freshman, um, coming in with all the hype. And, uh, and and leading my team to the final four, and we won the ACC tournament. Right. Uh, we lost six, I think.
think it was twenty eight and six that year. Twenty eight mm. and six. You guys had a great team. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you had a, you know you really. I, I know. Had a, now you probably could tell me the history. <clears throat> you know they called us lead the weapon three. We all averaged twenty. Three guys averaged twenty. I don't know if it's ever been done. You know, I well, don't know the history. I don't. I three don't, guys averaging twenty. Yeah, I don't think so. But if I say that, somebody's going to say, oh, yeah. Facts. No facts check. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we, might, we might edit that in. Edit in yeah. the, the yeah, fact we'll, check. We'll, we'll fact check. But then, so then you were, you know, you stayed another year. Yeah. You left after your sophomore year. Uh, then you were the number, uh, uh, you got drafted by the Nets. You were their first round pick. Were well, you were like number, number one? Number two. Number two in the draft. Larry Johnson oh, number one. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, Larry Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I went number two. Yeah, number two in the draft. I mean, yeah. so kids, and then you played the league from uh, ninety one to 05. Yeah, you were all star in nineteen ninety four. Let me, let me. There's so much to to talk about, and yeah. and your your career, uh, your career has been documented. Yeah, like, part of the reason why you're here in New York yeah. is because uh, you put all this fantastic stuff in a documentary yeah. that's going to be. Um, airing next month, right? Yeah, airing November twelfth. Um, you know, my documentary is called Mr. Chibs. Mm-hmm. If you know me, Queens, New York, my family members, my nickname is Chibs, C H I B B S. So my mother, when I did something great, she called me Mr. Chibs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I named it Mr. Chibs and a uh, story about Kenny Anderson, my life, my journey. Um, I, I, it's not a highlight reels, not basketball. It's about life lessons and you know where where it all where it all began and where I'm at now which mm-hmm. makes it really special because I'm still trying to find myself work in progress so it's, it's I'm not finished mm-hmm. so it's just a great uh um you know story about me coming into myself after retiring after 10 years not knowing what I was going to do mm-hmm. um you know um some dark some dark times and uh just you know re reinvent myself and to be a better person that's mm-hmm. the main thing. Where does where does the the nickname Chibs come from? Chibs. You're not listening to me. You said you said <laughs> Mr. Chibs. I got that. Chibs. Yeah. Chibs. Yeah. My mother named me that when I was five days old. Chibs. <laughs> but what does it what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I know. I'm messing. No, it doesn't mean anything. Uh-huh. It's uh that you know she when 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 she had me they brought me in you know mm-hmm. uh show it to to her. And her mouth was full. She said cheeks, and it came out chibs. Mm. And I didn't know my name was Kenneth until you know uh, registration registration for kindergarten. My <laughs> family members and everybody called me Chibs. Okay, yeah. it's, it's, it doesn't mean anything. It's yeah, really yeah. dear to me and my mother. You uh-huh. know, Chibs. And when I did something positive, did work well in school, you know, played well, she called me Mr. Chibs. Mm. So she's uh, probably rolling over in a grave because I named the documentary Mr. Chibs. It's very special. And then everybody in my neighborhood, Left Rack City, close people to me, my family, and my friend, they know me as Chibs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Again, man, you live such a, a, a fascinating, you've had yeah. such a fascinating career. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, and I was so appreciative. Um, you know, we run the sports and recreation program here yeah, at the church, yeah, and you came awesome. to talk to the kids and blew them away because yeah. they had no idea that, you know, that you were going to be coming. And, yeah. and some of the stuff you were saying was really life lessons. And yeah. one of the things I wanted to ask you, man, is that <clears throat> so we just went over your resume. Uh-huh. So from the time you were like in sixth grade, yeah. you were on this incredible high sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, uh, first year in college, second year, co- everything was great. What what were you thinking, man? At that at that point, I mean, how great? What was it like to be Kenny Anderson in New York City, being like, I mean, from the time you were in sixth grade, yeah, it was like like this, I, you know? I just lived it, man. You know what I mean? I have great mentors and uh, to keep me level headed, but it, it was it was weird. Now I look back mm-hmm. and I'm getting it. 
Back then, I just lived it. I was just, you know, a, a child playing the game I love, getting attention for it. Uh, I, like I, I tell, in high school, I went to Malloy High School. Right. Uh, I was like a nerd in high school. I, you know, I, I just, you know, played basketball at this school work, played basketball at this school work. I repeated that for four years. Had a high school sweetheart. You know, I wasn't into girls. Wasn't it? I just was into, you know, basketball. Uh, movies, it, 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 I, it, I was structured, you know right, what I mean? Right. I, I went to Georgia Tech and I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I went Atlanta. to all boys school yeah. and I went to Atlanta and lost it. But you still, put, said, you're still putting up numbers. Yeah, I was putting up numbers, but didn't <laughs> a, the, lot numbers. Yeah, right, right. a lot of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's really, in a nutshell, that's what happened. I was, my mentors, and they caged me in, they, this is what you do, this is what you have to do. Guys in the neighborhood, uh, Left Rack City, like it took a, a, a like they, they that saying it takes a village to raise a child. That's what Left Rack they did. You know all the guys out there did. But they over they was overprotective. Like I I couldn't do anything. I couldn't hang out after right. a certain amount of hour, uh, late. It gets late. Hey man, go upstairs. Somebody chasing me upstairs. <laughs> it was um I, I was real structured and it's weird coming you know, living in a in the ghetto in the inner city but having a structured life. Mm. Right. But that was the only way I was gonna make it. Mm. Mm. But describe that more for me, like coming from, you know, there are a lot of, prod not a lot, but there are prodigies, yeah. they end up in the NBA. Yeah. But I always look at it like coming from New York City, yeah. where and people are gunning from you from the sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. I remember when, when Marbury, I'm about Marbury's yeah, yes. age, I remember I used to go into high school gyms, he's like in fourth, fifth grade, and they talk, they're like, oh, you the next Kenny Anderson. Yeah. So, <laughs> you, so it's kind of like the same thing, like every year you got, I mean, New York City is huge, I feel like it's a little different. Yeah. You know, being a man that long in New York City. Yeah, it was, like I said, I, I I couldn't tell you. It was a blur, it was a blur. I just I lived through it. You know what I mean? That now I'm getting it. You know, when I, after I retired and you look back and, and these interviews and when you do show, you're like, wow, I did do that. You know what I mean? But while I was doing it, I was just doing something I love and um, just listening to the right people. I listened to the right people too. You know, I wasn't taking bad advice. You know, because so, we, you can take advice from anybody. Right, right, right. Yeah, but you got to take the right advice. And I think I did that, and it paid off for me. You, you, you played. Uh, so you were playing with. Uh, did you play with Riverside and the Gaucho? Yeah, I was one of the f only players in the city to do that. I played with both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Not simultaneously. Yeah. No, no, no. Like I played my last, uh, you know, years. I played with the Gauchos, but I started out with Riverside Church Hawks. Mm. You know, with Ernie Lloyd, me, uh, Malik Sealy. Mm. Uh, we 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 uh, grew up together playing with Riverside at like fourteen. Mm. We created a, a great. We had a great team. How'd you feel when, when Malik died? A lot of times, you know, again, we live these lives yeah. are young and everything is sweet and wonderful. And then there's always some point, some to some people comes early or some later when you lose somebody. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, what, this doesn't last forever? I, I, how did uh, Malik's death affect? Well, I mean, he, di he died later. I mean, he died yeah, like, but when he, it, he, he made the lead. He was doing well for himself. It hurt me because my mother and his mother was very close. Uh, I just I stay in touch with her. I call her from time to time, and when I come to New York, I try to take her to lunch and all that. But um, when it comes to home like that, like wow, young, and get you know, uh, DUI driver kills him. Yeah, that could have been me. That could be anybody. You know what I mean? So it's just um, it just was a tragic and a real sad, sad time to uh, see someone with that type of uh, potential. And he was about he was having a great year with yeah. uh, Minnesota. Tim, he's about to get paid. Got a good contract, and it always sometimes it always happened like that when things are going right for you. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you know, something happens. So it was, uh, it, it was really uh, 
a bad time. And uh, like I said, I still stay in touch with his mother. And um, it's great, always great seeing her. What, what, what prompted you to do a documentary? One of the things I'm really happy with yeah. is that a lot, of, a lot of brothers in the league, and yeah. not just the NBA, NFL, so, yeah. seems like a lot of guys now are wanting to tell their own stories. Because yeah. so often, like in my generation, yeah. it was never, you know, it was usually like it, it was either a white documentary or a white yeah. author. It seems like now more guys want to tell their own stories. What prompted you to want to, um, to tell your, your no, own story? I, I think three, four years ago, there was a documentary phase was going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I saw, but everybody was, I was like, you know, somebody came, you got to tell your story. I said, yeah, why, yeah, I should. So I came up with the idea of uh, doing it and got with uh, Jill Campbell, who's my director, who shadowed me for about four years. Mm. Uh, BMG Brokers, they invested in my, in my project with uh, Barry Goldstein. Um, I have an amazing team. They, they see the vision. They love my story. They love me as a person, mm-hmm. you know, and they get it. And um, basketball was great, but it's the other things that I think will – kids will get out of this. That's that's the main thing. You could Google me or YouTube me and see highlights. You know, that's really, that's easy. But to really get into, you know, to, to me coming from the heart, giving some, uh, giving the world, you know, hey, this is me. I'm not, you know, I got flaws. This is, I struggled. Mm-hmm. This is what I struggled with. This is mm-hmm. what happened. This was about, and I still made it. So you don't have no excuses. Now, you know, I'm trying to, you know, find myself to get better, to be a better husband, to be a better father, mm-hmm. to be, you know, th- that person that I need to be to, to have a, a successful life. Right. Not, I don't, not career, but life. And that's what I'm searching for. And that's what the documentary is about. It's about the um, life. It's a life. It's not about, it's basketball and life. Mm-hmm. Did you learn, like, what did you learn about yourself through the process? Wow, it was some um, emotional moments. You know, it was like therapy for me. I'm, I'm going to therapy, you know, now with uh, certain things that you know went on in my life, being abused and things of that nature. I, I, I'm an advocate you know, of child molestation. Um, I opened up, I, hold, I held that in for 30 something years. That's why I was acting out and doing what I was doing, you know, especially when you get fame and money. And now you gotta feel macho because that happened to you. So it was, it's weird. And that's what my, me and my therapist talk about. And um, I go once a week. And um, not only for that, but just like I said, I'm just trying to. Uh, I think my mother would want it. Just be a better person, man. You know, just 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 be there for your kids and um, just do do the do the right thing. You know, we we're not we're not perfect by no means, but you can try to be a, a good citizen and a good person, and that's what I'm trying to. You know. Um, you know, cause we all know when we doing some, doing shit wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've done I've done a lot of stuff wrong for many years, mm-hmm. and sometimes you look in the mirror and you look at I know I did I'm like man, I got cut this out. Mm. You know, I guess where I was trying to go, like so much yeah. you were on a, a positive high, yeah, and then you get drafted, mm-hmm. which is you know the, the 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 dream, yeah, right. And I remember something that Willis Reed said. Uh, you were you were uh, with the Knicks Nets, mm-hmm. and you had to go out. And I don't think you had a, you had to get your you had just gotten your license or something. Yeah. And so you were going out. Cause you had to get your license. You just got a car. And Willis said something that well, don't remember, don't forget what what allowed you to go get that car. Yeah. And, yeah. and and it was I think that was the beginning of. You know, you climb this mountaintop, and you've been doing all this struck. You've been structured. You doing all now. All of a sudden, you're getting paid a lot of money and all that kind of stuff. 
as you look back, was that the beginning of? I mean, you had a fourteen-year career, so yeah, yeah, like, clearly yeah, that wouldn't yeah, be yeah, it at the end. But but just in terms of you know, there there are some abuse issues. Yeah, there was like substance abuse issues, yeah. alcohol. There's a lot of stuff that we could talk about. But yeah. was that the beginning, of, or did that even begin when you were at Georgia Tech, or was it the NBA life? When when did the stuff begin I, I, to really I think start to affect? When I, when I went to college, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Um, I was um, I left my mentors back home and uh, I lost some of my uh, I lost the edge a little bit I lost my work ethic a little bit mm-hmm. you know what I mean I was getting over because I was talented and I was still doing what I was doing mm-hmm. and then you know I uh, we started winning at Georgia Tech I started getting a lot of uh, fame and um, started taking advantage of that mm-hmm. you know what I mean and I lost a little bit of my edge you know my my, my work ethic and uh, got to the NBA. It, it, it slowed down a little bit because my first year I didn't play much because of Bill Fitch and, you know, whatever reasons. Then my second year, I said, man, I got to, you know, do my thing once they give me the ball. So I worked, 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 you know, got the ball, made the all-star team. And then I just was like, man, I could do this. You know, sometimes, you, say, I, you know, I, and I tell my son this, I was so talented, man. It's like I can do whatever and still – go out there and perform, you know? So it's scary, you know right. what I mean? It's scary. Right. So imagine if I would have put, you know, mm. more effort uh, and worked more extremely hard. And I tell my son, I said, listen, I could have probably uh, much better in the NBA if I would have really concentrated more and, and, and cut cut out my lifestyle. I seriously, I, I could have probably played another three, four years and been effective. Mm. You know what I mean, but I I just BSed around, you know, with my talents because I it was easy to me, and, but as you get older, your body takes takes toll. Young guys come in, right, the, right. the game changes, and you know I slowed down, it changes. Mm. So it was time to do something else. But I really believe that I don't know how many people's gonna be honest with themselves. Like I'm gonna be honest because it, it, it's, it's it's truth. That's how I felt. You know, I'm not you know taking nothing away you know from me. Played 14 years with some solid numbers. Right. He's an all star. Right. Some guys play in the league ever and don't make an all star team. Right. And I didn't make the all star. I started for the right. all star right. team. So right. yeah, my numbers was great and everything. And I did that with with a, uh, a so so work ethic mm-hmm. in the NBA. I, and I look back and I say, wow. Some of these guys they talk about the point guards and things like that. If I would have been more serious with my work ethic, would have been no. It would been a joke. Mm-hmm. It would have been a joke. You know. Well, well, tell you—you you mentioned the abuse issue. I guess you deal with all this in the in the. Uh, yeah, somewhat. I touched in, it in the phone. What? Because yeah. I never really heard that part of it yeah. before. What was what was that? When when did the abuse take take well, place? Well, I took. I was like like eleven years old. You know, one time for a coach, uh, AU coach lived in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, that was one time. And then when I lived in South Jamaica, um, you know, it was just uh, I didn't know what it was. I knew what it was was wrong. Right. But I thought. I, became Kenny Anderson at that point, you know, when, when I come, to, you know, but I became, especially Malloy, you know, at 14, All-American, best player in the city. I just threw that thing in the closet, mm. you know what I mean? And just, you that ever was confronted it. this person ever? Nah, I couldn't find him. I stayed away from him when I was younger. Right. I knew who it was, I just stayed away from him. Cause I was like, that's, you know, he weird, you know mm. what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I stayed away from him and, uh, Told, when I came out, you know, rest of peace. I wouldn't. My mother was living. She would have flipped out, wanted to kill the dude. You know what I mean? But <laughs> right. she, she was there. So some of my mentors wanted to too. They tried to find him, but they you know find him. And I think he did it. He did it to some other kids also. Mm, right. Mm, you know right. what I mean? And then I came and I was like, man, I was wrong. You know this. I just 
came out. Because during the documentary, my wife and was like, yo, if you want to do something, you got to be honest and right. help somebody. You can't be just doing this for some media purpose. Right, <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Right. And that's what made me think. I was going to still hold it in. Mm. But then I, it, when I let it, you know, when I got it off my chest and got therapy, and it, it made me feel better. That's so funny. I mean, how liberating. Well, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard talked about the same thing in his book, Being Abused. And it, you know, you never know about this stuff. You know, and I guess, too, because you're an athlete and that whole thing. How liberating was it? And, and you're talking about like it being in your 40s when you finally were able to kind of tell that that story. I, I felt good for me, but I, was, I felt good for other people. You know, some people was coming up to me and they was always, oh, I, I dealt with the same thing. It's great that you, you know, I, I, I didn't know how to come out from hearing it from you. It made me feel that, you know, I uh, did a children's center in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. They flew me out. And I talked at one of their luncheon. It was it was very it was very um, you know satisfying. I was like wow because grown men was coming up to me afterwards like it's amazing you know that this happened to you and you came to speak about it and I'm st guys still dealing with it. Mm. You know what I mean and uh, and that's that's the big thing you know mm. because it's never too late. You know I'm just I'm just I didn't want no money I didn't want anything right. I didn't want no, man I just want to help somebody. Mm. You know what I mean? That was it because if it's if you could stop it early, uh, I, I may not be the type of I, I'm, I might have not been the type of person I was. Mm -hmm. You know, with my relationships too. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother thing. Wow. And we ain't get into that. Right. You know, with all of my all my women and all my baby my, my baby's mothers and all that, how I was and how I acted. You know, that comes with abuse. Oh really? You gotta, oh. Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta go to therapy. You gotta see what's you know. Hurt people, hurt people. Right. Wow. Because you're so it's so interesting. You know, we had we had Shamiko Holskoff yeah. on yeah, the she show, did. yeah. And she was going into and what we think we were talking about, particularly in our community, in the black community, mental health issues. We don't deal with that. We don't. It's almost like a sense of weakness, like you're not going to therapy. That we don't do that. And if there's any group of people who need to go to therapy, it's, it's black <laughs> people. I mean, really. But but that though she was saying, even in her situation, Ron Artest, we we and and then. And then the better you are as an athlete, it continues to get mass because we could just kind of, you know, because he's Kenny Anderson, he's so and so, and so it's you just kind of, you just kind of let it slide, and then it gets to the, the breaking point when the celebrity can't help you. At some point, you got to deal with this stuff. Yeah, definitely, and um, it's, it's, it's it's ironic. My wife, you know, for ten years, she um, she's the CEO, of mental behavior okay. hospital. Okay. In Hollywood, mm. so she she deals with that every day on her job. But it gets worse, you know, if you don't get help. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, like I said before, hurt people hurt people. My relationships, I was very abusive. I, I'm not talking about physically, but I was verbally abusive because I seen it done to my mother. And it's a cycle, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And it ranch, it, it, it almost ranged to uh, uh, physically abuse with certain women. But it didn't go there. But it's easily, you know, you flare up. And I don't want my kids around that. You know what I mean? Because I don't want them to grow up, my sons especially, thinking that it's okay to put your hands on a woman and mm. verbally abuse them. So I had to get help. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and and I got help. And being entitlement, you know, when you're sick, you know, mentally, certain things. And then you're Kenny Anderson, you're famous and all that. I'm Kenny Anderson. What you talking about? Mm -hmm. I can do whatever I want to do. Mm. You know what I mean? That that that's not a good look either, and you so it's, it it really it really can really hurt you. That's right because we're talking. We'll go with you. No, I mean, is it? I mean, obviously, it's something you have to deal with, but it was 
but could you pinpoint it as you, you know, as you're going on with your life, or was it just some kind of subconscious thing you knew you were dealing with? My relationships, I knew what it was going through because I just every woman, every relationship I dealt with, it was going through the same stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's me, it's me. You know, I, I'm always and I own up to stuff, and you know, I, I understand when it's me. You know what I mean? And I'm not gonna lie and, and say it's not, but that's just the way I was. And I'm, I was, I gotta get help. I gotta change this because I don't like, I don't like when my mother passed away too, and she told me. We were sitting on the edge of the bed about three months before she passed, four months. She was just like, you got to change. Mm, really? <laughs> I remember that. It's eerie. Come on, you got to mm-hmm. change. You're not, you're not my chibi no more. You know oh, what wow. I mean? She said, you're not my chibi. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was, it was serious. And me and my mother had a real strong talk in our house. She said, you got you to gotta change. You, you, you retired. You, you got a great brand. You've been, you've been doing this thing since you was 11 years old. You're going to fuck it all up. Can't you gotta change? You gotta stop drinking. You gotta stop, um, you know, arguing and being abusive to these women. You mm. gotta stop having babies. You gotta mm. change, and that's why I keep. You know what I mean? She said you, you can do this. You got a great brand, but you're gonna fuck it all up if you don't get your life in order. Mm. And that's and what, that, that seep through. That, that, oh, that really? Did, yeah. If if like I was retired, I was finished. So I was like, you know, what I'm gonna do? You know, if your brand is messed up, and you, you know, that's what I built it, you know, all up, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not working for no company, no, I'm not a corporate type guy, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, right. what, you know, man, I, I go back to school, but I got, you know, I'm a, I went back and got my bachelor's after 20 something years at St. Thomas University down in Miami, but I'm just saying to make a career out of certain things, I'm not, I'm like, man, what do I have? I have Kenny Anderson. Right. If I got to reinvent myself, I got to be a better person. I got to do this for myself, for mm-hmm. my family. Mm. You know, there, there are two things, man. Well, the one when you were talking about the women, I'm thinking about Donald yeah. Trump. Yeah, exactly. Because, because mm. that's exactly Yo. what we're talking about now. So when you see all this, man, you must be like deja vu, and I know exactly what's going on here. What, 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 what are you thinking about when Trump is doing exactly the same thing, right? With the women, the entitlement, the abuse. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's like really real. Like I. You know, I didn't tell anybody, but when I hear all this Trump stuff coming out, I'm just thinking out loud. I'm thinking that's easily could have been me. I don't touch. I didn't grab. You know, man, none of that. That's nonsense. I'm not gonna rope a woman, and I don't know a woman just right. because I'm Kenny Anderson. Right. Never did that. Right. But you know, there's times where you talk to a woman, mm-hmm. introduce yourself, you get to know a woman, you get comfortable with that woman, then you go there. Mm-hmm. But I never be like just grab and assault a woman. That's the wrong thing to do. That's tragic. That's not locker room talk. Right. I, I played in the league for 14 years. And first of all, that, 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 that you whip the woman and the sex thing is off limits. Really, it's really right. private. You right. know, nobody's gonna come in. You ain't gonna sit next to your guy in the locker room and say, hey man, you know, I saw that chick at the ball. I, I grabbed her pussy and right. shit. Right. She all be, she want it. You know, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, we don't talk like that, no. Right, right. no I mean, what locker, right. what locker room That's do you I, go I, to? I, and that? I'm like, if you see, if, no, even no. if it's someone was talking like somebody, that in the locker room, yeah, he'd be that one a, dude. Like, he'd be a one by himself. Yeah, and, right, people, yeah. and people probably alienated, alienated right. away from like, this guy. This guy's crazy. crazy. You don't talk like that. The personal sex life and all that, even with your woman, that's off limits in a locker room. You might say, hey, Hey man, I seen you with the chick last. You look good. Right. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm trying to get up on it. Boom. Right. That's it. Yeah. That's it. But that stuff is like nuts. But when you are, and I say, when he said one thing that made a lot of sense, he entitlement. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm Kenny. Yeah, I'm the number two pick. Right. I'm a millionaire. 
what's up? You don't know me? Come on, let's go. What's wrong with you? Get with me. <laughs> don't you know? That was my I... rap right there. <laughs> Bill, that was my rap. That's it. Oh, who are you? I'm Kenny Anderson, number two pick. That's a it. Millionaire. What's up? You ready to roll? <laughs> and I guess the bizarre thing is, A, <laughs> and that you're fucked up for saying it, but then again, That's real. I guess it takes two to tangle. Like somebody right, says, right. okay, that sounds good to me. Talking is fine. You get to know a woman. I'm, I'm never abusive of a girl. I'm not insulting no, no, uh, right. grabbing a woman, but talking and trying to figure out. And, and if she and if she jump and if she bite on that, she a gold digger. You right. know what I'm saying? Like she bite on that conversation. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? Right. You know? But I mean, but I guess this gets so fascinating because yeah. I can I was talking to Graham. Somebody, I I couldn't even imagine. You know, in other words, it's hard enough to find love just to be an average no money kind of guy. Yeah. But I wonder <laughs> how, how it must be that once you get to the NBA, and how do you determine who loves you? I mean, right. how do you how do you determine right. to get a real relationship right. or is it just kind of, fuck it, it's all just right. like a battleground. I mean, how do you determine? I'm wondering if it goes right. both ways. Like right. maybe if they're coming at you, you're going to use that line. You know, oh. you, you hear it enough, that's oh. what they're coming at you for. I was joke like me is the joke, like certain right, right. women is, you know, I'll you know go after him or whatever, right. but that like like listen, that's not the woman you want to marry. That's not somebody if she bite on that, you know, you never know. But you got to trust somebody. Right. Like I got married at 23, 24. I should have listened to my mother. That's the only time I didn't listen. You know, my wife, my first wife, Tammy. She, you know, got two of my beautiful daughters. I would never, you know, belittle her and all that. But it, I just wasn't ready to be married in my prime. You know, playing in my hometown, New Jersey, right. 23, 24 years old. Everything was thrown at me. I didn't take marriage serious. I went into my marriage wrong. Like, oh, anything. I, I just divorced her, right. got a prenum, mm -hmm. move on. Mm -hmm. That's my mentality. Right. Right. You can't have that mentality. You know what I mean? So, you know, you can't, you, you don't know. You don't know, but I do know my third wife. I do know this. You know, I like to say, my wife, we, we, we eat cold cuts and beans out of can. I could throw with her. Because that's a she, when I met her, I was on my way out the league. Mm. And I was going through a lot. Mm. And she was rolling with me. You know what I mean? Regardless. Mm. That I knew. You know, that's my, my ride or die chick right there. She's a, she's a winner. 10 years. 10, 13 together. 13 years. Wow. Nine married. Yeah. Did you ever say that I'm not getting married again? I mean, do you ever say this? Uh, is yeah, this one, this one is rough. You know, it's rough. Meaning, you you you, you build so much together, you got kids, you got you got foundation, but you know, you know, I I say that, but I'm the type of dude, and I don't know if it's wrong. We talk, I mean, my family. I just type. I think because I was a mama's boy, and uh, my sisters spoiled me. Mm -hmm. I, I'm the type that need a woman around. Mm. You know, I'm just, I need a woman around mm -hmm. to do certain things that I, you know, prefer. And I'm not talking about sexual or nothing like that. I'm just talking about, the, you know, take care of me. Mm -hmm. I've always, I always was that type of guy. Now I got, good. my best friend is an independent guy. He, you know, comes, goes, got relationships and that's it. But I'm the type that I need a woman around me. So I'm probably gonna, I'm probably always gonna stay married. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I guess his knowledge itself is very interesting. How much, you know, there's so many ways to go here, but you're not blaming, for example, you know, some people blame the NBA or the yeah. AAU culture yeah. or the, you know, the culture of, of stardom, the, you know, yeah. whether it's NBA. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could blame that, but I guess at the end of the day, it's you. I mean, you know, not not everybody does that, but I mean, is there, 
you now you you've seen the AAU culture. You, yeah. you, and I, I I I don't know if you think it's gotten worse. Yeah, I think it got worse with the sneaker companies, the people with money, the corp. You know, they exploiting some of the, the the great talents, the one and done players. The, they're not teaching them anything. All this entitlement, so it's hurting them a little bit as they get older and mm-hmm. as they get in the game. But I don't blame anyone. I've done whatever I've done, faults and uh, made mistakes through myself. That's mm-hmm. me all over. You know. God gave me a, a gift to play basketball at a young age, and like I always tell, I, I got it early. I got it early, and it's a gift and a curse. Uh, if I had to do it all over, I'd do it the same way. I got it early, and I I, I held up. I held up. I, I know if I, some people that got it early and retire, play fourteen or be on drugs, <laughs> lose everything, right. I, or didn't I, make, I did a, or didn't make the lead. Yeah, or didn't make the lead. I, I, I pretty, I did pretty well, man. You mm-hmm. know, and especially after my mother's passed away, um, I got a good family. Um, my kids is all right. I, I live modest now, but I live very well. I'm very well. I don't, I don't want for anything. Um, whatever I need to try, I travel. I, I, I'm fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? At my fifty million and you know, a uh, million and different on no, but I don't need that because mm-hmm. I lived that life already and I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. <laughs> you know Immensely. Yeah, but that, but Bill, what you had to say, don't blame no one. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything I did, I did it on my own. Right. You know what I mean? When I didn't work as hard as I should have worked, when I dated and cheated on my wife and, and did all that stuff, you know, you gotta be able to be honest with yourself to better yourself. Because if not, you're gonna keep thinking everything is fine. You know when you start lying, mm-hmm. then you start believing your lie after a while. <laughs> you know when you, you lie so much after a while, you be right, like, yeah. Right. That's who you are. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, hey, our, our guest is uh, the great Kenny Anderson. Uh, his documentary is Mr. Mr. Chibs, and it's going to be, it's gonna drop in November. 12th, November 12th. No, no, November 12th. Uh, check it out, tell everybody, tweet it out. We're gonna take a quick break. And then we're going to be back. We're going to talk about the light side. Uh, there's plenty of light yeah. in this career. <laughs> I was yeah, like, wait, it's let's dark, talk. man. Y'all just, I'm just thinking about what we just talked about let's in the first second. Like, it's all dark, man. Hey, man. It's all we're, good. Ed- we're educational program. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you can, if you can listen through it, but no, we're going to come back. We talk about a lot of good stuff. We'll be right back. Everybody, we're back. The hell are we? We're back at Harlem, USA. Uh, Bill Roden on sports here with Jamal Murphy and with our guest, the great Kenny Anderson. I said, man, for the break, <clears throat> you know, let's let's talk about some light stuff. And and, and yeah. realistically, man, I mean, yeah. even though what we we're saying, we we're talking about real life stuff, right? Yeah, you know, true. real life stuff. Um, but you, you know, I keep we 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 keep forgetting that number one, you had a great career, yeah, great life, you're here, yeah. great family. Yeah. Uh, what what you do you have a good relationship with your kids? Your, your, your yeah, children? I'm trying, man. I got eight kids. Um, you know, my my son and daughter lives with me in Florida. When when they spread out, it's tough. But they older. My my oldest live in Atlanta, and my own my my daughters is two years apart. I got 26, 24, 22, wow, twenty. Wow. And then um, my daughter lives with me at 16. Wow. And then um, my two sons in Northfield, New Jersey. So it's been pretty tough, uh, the distance. But they come and visit me in Florida from time to time, things mm-hmm. like that. 
but I wasn't in their lives every day like I am with the two that's, that lives with me, my, my, my son Kenny and uh, Tiana, mm. you know what I mean? But, um, you know, being a father is, is right now, being a father is, is it's tough, man. <laughs> I just, you know, you just worry about your kids. Right. N- n- nothing, you know, just mm-hmm. 24 hours, like where they at, what they're doing, mm. you know, they're doing, the, they're making the right choices. Mm. And it's just tough, man. How do you, I mean, it's so funny. I had this conversation with Alan Iverson yeah. when he was coming out with his documentary. Yeah. And it was so fun. The conversation was so funny. Because, yeah. you know, he was Mr. Cutting Edge. Yeah, yeah. This, this. So then he was talking about his relationship with his daughter yeah. and how protective he was of his yeah. daughter. And <laughs> said, you know, and, and she said, he said, I went so far to protect her, and she wanted to go on her own. I said, you can't go on her How are you going to deal with guys like me? You can't deal, <laughs> you can't deal with guys <laughs> like You're not prepared but, to deal with guys is, like me. Which is crazy. The daughter's attracted to guys right. like their father. Mm-hmm. And that's what I go through, you know, mm-hmm. with my oldest daughter. She likes guys that's – I got five, so my, my two oldest just different, night and day. Mm-hmm. You know, one like a thug, rough mm-hmm. – you know, my older than my 24-year-old, you know, like – Nice, clean cut, corporate, uh, uh, you know, thing. So it's different, you know. <laughs> right. it's, well, it's almost, I mean, sometimes when you're a guy and you have daughters, you sing, Oh, yeah. please, God. Oh, that's I hope this is like that every night. Haunting me. <laughs> I'll like, do that every night. Sweat, <laughs> karma, sweat. Like when karma. I put people through, when I put some of them girls, oh, put through some of them women through, I was like, Oh, please, right. don't be so hard on my, my, my daughters, please. But how are you with your daughters? Do you, are you the type that uh, try to keep it extra real? Or you try to, you try I, to, I keep it real. No, I'm I, I real with my daughters. Mm-hmm. Tell them about guys like me right. and guys out there in general, but they just, oh, dad, stop it. Right. You know, yeah. they, you <laughs> it's know, true. Yeah. It's real. Yeah, it's real. But they, they, they're great kids. Uh, I, I'm lucky right now, you know, with my kids. No one's on drugs or, or right. going crazy. They got, they seem like they got to focus. And uh, I just want them to keep them. Because as you get older and you go through peaks and valleys of your life, you know, sometimes you make those bad decisions. You know, when, mm-hmm. when, when adversity struck, that's when, that's when we see what type of your character. And that's what you know it's about. But you know, hopefully they uh, they 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 strong right now. Mm-hmm. What 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 was the greatest time when you look back at the NBA career? What was the? I know there are a lot of highlights. What was the, what what was it sort of the the highlights of your NBA career? I don't. I, you know, I go back. I don't, my first six years in high. My first four years in high school. My first two years in Georgia Tech was my best time in my life. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, if Malloy you was the best time. And Georgia Tech, two years was the best. NBA, I didn't really had no highlights. Making an all-star team, and I really didn't, you know what I mean? I, it was great reaching the pinnacle, playing the best in the world, athletes and getting money and, you know, uh, being able to take care of my mother. But that, uh, maybe the, but I got drafted when mm. I made it mm. to that pinnacle. I was like, yes, mm. now I'll take care of my moms. But throughout it, it changes, you know what I mean? Because... You know, that's the game I love. I probably would play the game I love for free. Mm-hmm. Now you get money. So now when money's involved, it's a lot of politics that you don't have no control. You don't see it early. Then you be like, oh, this is what this is about. Mm-hmm. Two, three, four years in. But like, for example, just what didn't you know? What didn't you know in the first couple of years and all of a sudden you're six, seven years shit? You know, if I would have knew that then. No, no, nothing bad, but it's just corporate work. Like far as you know, playing minutes, and some guys got contracts with certain amount of minutes they can mm-hmm. play, and if they don't make the minutes, so the coach won't play them them minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, coach don't like the player that the GM uh, signed; he won't play. Mm. It's because it's a business. It's not like you killing this dude in practice, and you do. You should be. I'm like, I should be playing, right? Mm. It ain't that. You know, before high school, 
you know, bitty ball, AU ball, all mm. like the best is gonna play the best. No, it's it's different in the league, it's in the politics, and you wonder, you know, uh, like you see guys that's very good, you say, damn, why are you sitting on the bench? It's more to it than that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So uh, the bottom of the word I could use is a lot of politics that you don't have no control over. Mm-hmm. Would you say you had you didn't have fun in the NBA? I had fun at times. I had fun at times. I could never say I didn't have fun, but you know, it, it was a job. You know what I mean? It was a job around people that uh, sometimes I tend to question. You know, where they, do they care about me? Mm. You know what I mean? Or they just you know. And I know the coaches didn't. One or two did, but coaches they were trying to save their job. They want to win games. So as long as you playing well, you been out there winning games, so they can keep their job. They cool. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Right. You know what I mean? And I understand it. Mm-hmm. And and by no means that I'm saying it's wrong or right or I'm, it I'm mad. Is. It is what it is. <laughs> right. You know Every, I mean? Everything. Yeah. Listen, it, journalism. Yeah. Yeah. You know, law. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It is what it. Yeah. What and it's funny. Somebody, once you get paid for something. That is. Once you get paid. When you do it for free, you know, high school, college. You know, once it's a job. I think a lot of guys don't. Have to, this is a job. Okay. I was thinking something. Even even at the at the times, which was a. I was there for 34, 35 years. It was, I had a wonderful career. Then at the end, it's okay, we're going to give a uh, going away, whatever, and it's our pass, you, you know, <laughs> because at the, it was a job. Yeah. It's a job I love, but it was a job. I didn't come in every day. I, this was where I stayed. Yeah. And when it was over, it was over, yeah. you know, but, but it is a job, you yeah. know, and I think that we associate fun and games with the with the NBA because of the, the the luxury of it and right. they don't see what goes in between that you know before before the games the practices oh. how hard you got to work on your body and I I really nowadays these players I tip my hat off to them hmm. I respect them a great deal these new stars yeah. are awesome because they're going around traveling with their trainers hmm. uh, eating them diet right <laughs> food right. Right. they live and breathe basketball to stay on top of their game. Man, guys in the 90s, I was eating, staying out all all night, <laughs> eating what I wanted to eat, going to practice, working out when I had to work out. But it wasn't, you know, I'm not saying everybody did, but these guys are real. Kobe Bryant, take my hat off to them. And mm. the pros that, all is about, the guys that's consistent, right? they do it the right way. What changed? Mm. You think it was the pe- the players who changed or was it, you know, th- was there more of a support system? Is there more of a support system now than there was before? I, I don't know about that. You know, mm-hmm. can't blame you. Mm-hmm. Like, I know one thing: these one and done, and these young guys coming yeah. in with all that money, they're gonna face problems because they're young. You, you know really, what I mean? You think but, so? uh, at times, you know, I, I think you look at like Dwight Howard, some of the stuff he's going through from high school right to the pros. He hasn't had time to grow up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So certain issues, certain things he deal with, he don't know how to deal with them. You know, um, you know, we come right out of high school making millions of dollars. That can be hard for some kids if they're not ready with it, you know, ready for it. Um, you know, I, I just think it's um it's who the person is, you know. Mm-hmm. What about the two years you spent at Georgia Tech? You talk about well, guys who come straight into the league or the one one yeah. done. You think that those two years did something for you? Well, my, my two years, I didn't want to leave my two years. I wanted to stay just cool until my junior year, but my coach did the research and said, yo, you going one, two, or three, right. you got to go. You know what I mean? I was having too much fun in college. There was no pressure. You fear what you don't know on the other side. You know, I know I know. talently I was ready, talent-wise, but not physically I wasn't ready. In retrospect, would you have stayed? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I would have stayed. <laughs> so and I know it's weird. People say, the money. 
I was comfortable in Georgia Tech. I, I had what I needed. I ate every day. I, I got, you know, they was taking care of me. You, you might know drop, what I mean? You might have <laughs> dropped 35 a game. Yeah. I don't know, but. You took a pay cut. <laughs> that's what they said the joke was. But I, I just wasn't in no rush. But my coach was like, you got to go take care of your family, this, that, and the other. So, you know, what was that? But, um, you know, it's just going to the NBA and after one, two, Years, three years, it's a job, and it's got to be work. You got to work. You got to right, take right, care right. of yourself. You got to prepare yourself, be cons- consistent, because you you got the city, you got the organization, mm-hmm. you got your fans, you know, looking at you to to, to, to perform mm-hmm. on a high level. Mm-hmm. And during your your pro career, what was your? We talked about this a little bit uh, off off air. What was your relationship like with the journalists and the fans? You know, me, I was never hard on. Cause my my mother said, hey, man, you Kenny Anderson said, if you get those people some ammunition, they're going to bury you. So do everything in your power to, to, to keep it clean and, and, and do the right thing, and then you'll be fine. You know what I mean? But I didn't do that all the time, and you, you deal with it. I never take it personal. Mm-hmm. I, I might for the minute. You know, I think after my fourth year, I stopped reading papers and magazines and put, bringing them in my house. Nobody could do it. I, I just – Stayed away from newspapers and articles or all my friends and somebody would tell me like, oh, did you go said this? I said, okay, cool. But mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't, I'm not one of those players that have to shoot around on a bus with that article about right. me. With, with that, I stayed away from it after my third year, third, fourth. I stopped now, reading. Right now, you got social right. media. I mean, can yeah, you now it's crazy. Now it's oh, like, I could I, I'll instantaneously. Be, I'll be in trouble when I was <laughs> in the league. I don't know how that. I, I talk about that a lot on social media. I'll, I'll be in trouble. Half of the guys in the league be in trouble with mm-hmm. social media in the 90s. Oh, you mean charity? Oh, in terms of what they did or what they. Or whatever. <laughs> like, you couldn't. <laughs> right. It's, 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 a cur- it's a gift and a curse. Mm-mm-mm. So, so you like the league now? You like the NBA? Yeah, I love the league. I'm a big fan. I think it's, it's great for the NBA. It's a billion dollar business. It's, the, the players is awesome. Top players is awesome. I think the. The, the, I think the, the, it's watered down, mm-hmm. but I think the, the stars are awesome. Because of the young guys? Mm-hmm. Uh, young guys, and some guys I just don't think in certain in, – in our era, I think the 90s, I think the role players and the, the, the guys was better. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it, it wasn't – the teams, it's just – it's not. It's about four or five good teams in the NBA mm-hmm. that you probably would uh, – Bill, you, you you answer that. It was it, How many teams you think is really good teams in the league now? that you would go and see? Oh, I'm a sports writer. I don't go to see anybody. If it's no, no, I know but, you have but, to, but, but if you would put yourself on I mean, fan, I, go, I go to see on, Golden you know. State. Right. And now here's Cleveland. The, Cleveland. Cleveland. You go to here to see in San Antonio as much as I think that's boring. You go see San Antonio. And then it depends on who's hot in a particular week no, or in a particular couple of months. So I just think the teams <clears> is just watered down, but mm-hmm. the product and the, the logo and all that is, is big now. It's huge. Mm-hmm. The TV revenue deals and – it's just awesome. What about the what about the athletes, you know, in general, or specifically the athletes? You see all the stuff going on now, mm-hmm. uh, Kaepernick in football, yeah. And then even even the NBA players, like you know, they're 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 you know locking arms. And yeah, what, do you, what do you think about all that? I think it's great, but everybody, everybody like I said, everybody, everybody protests protests the way they want to protest. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I think Kaepernick is great. I respect him. You mm-hmm. know. He, He's standing up for the oppressed people. There's a lot of injustice going around in this world. And he's he made a stand. He made people aware. Right. Like I tell you, now we're aware. Right. Now what else? <laughs> what are we gonna do now? Right. Right. And me, I'm sometimes real critical and um, you know, uh, maybe negative sometimes my wife say, but you know, I, I think it's just so deep. A lot of hate and racist 
it's so embedded in some people that I just think it's not. I just, I just, I think it's too late. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't know. You can, what do we, what we could do? You gotta go into these communities. The guys that's, especially in the lead, LeBrons and the Kevin Durant's, that go into the communities and, and, and do things a little more. You know, I know they do it from time to time, but that's all. I think in the bad neighborhoods, you got to go in there and give them kids some hope. That's mm-hmm. what I've been doing, you know, since I retired. The basketball players is fine, but I also want to give them my, you know, my life story to try to give them some hope. And I think we got to do that spread throughout the world. You know what I mean? And um, not so much basketball, but just tell them it's a better way. Mm. A lot of us is uneducated, you know. Um, you know, uh, we just uneducated, you know, different issues in life. And that's why I don't talk too much about certain things that I'm not aware of, that I'm not educated on, because it make you look like an idiot. You know what I mean? So there's, there's things that, you know, we have to um, respect. But at the same time, it's like, okay, we doing all of this. Like, I said, now what? What are we gonna do? The next, well, yeah, what's, I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't have an answer, the solution. I think the solution, it's just too deep. I, but you know, you can only, you can only. We talked about this a lot. You can only do what you can do. Yeah, so, so, what, so if you're with the New Jersey Nets and you look around and there ain't no black folks working in the organization in terms of secretaries, uh, then you can say, you know what? I may not be able to end poverty in Newark, but I can get some black folks hired here if I'm the star of the team. Or if yeah. I'm, if, if my company, if I got a my agent, and one day I go visit my agent, and ain't, well, you ain't getting no black folks working for you. Now here I'm your agent, and you making money off of me, and you ain't got no black folks in your. Now that I can change. Yeah, I can change what I can change using my leverage. I can't change poverty no. in the South. I mean, you know, but in my organization, in my industry, one by one, I see everybody. Then I could change that. There's you know a, what I'm saying? Yeah, there's an old saying, Al McGuire said it, you, you go into the ghetto, you help one kid, that kid leaves, he he might come back and help another two kids. Right. And that's a slow process, but that's the process that works right. somewhat. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I understand what you said, you hit it right on the nose. Certain things, and and, and, and the, the organizations, the, all the NBA teams, gotta look at what you just said. Yeah, and if, you know, if, all, if you don't everybody. do that, in other words, I, I think that when everybody was talking about, well, what's next? Well, that's what's next. If you call a Kaepernick and all that, then that's what's next. Mm-hmm. You know, you could get broad, but, like, look in your own organization. Look at your own apparel company. Look at your own thing. Are they doing the right thing by your people? And if they're not, then you make them do it. If they are, then everybody goes to the beach. But, yep. you know, that's that's kind of thing. Now, I think just with the social media and the technology, this all this, it's, it's been quiet hate mm-hmm. for hundreds of years, but now, it's out there now, the audio, the mm-hmm. social media. Now, everybody is getting on, put on blast, you know, for, right. for the races. Right. But that's been out. But now we know. Now we know. Now we know. And I always wonder how athletes think about it. Like, you know, you know, there's racists out there, a lot of them, right? And let's say you're playing and the crowd is pretty much 90% white. And you, you've got to know that they don't really respect you as a person. Yeah. They cheer hard for you. How do you, you know, how do you? Oh, that's just interesting because my mother said this and she always said it when I was getting all this fame and all that. She said, you just remember, you just, you just a special end. Mm. Right. You will always, you a special end. Mm. And you gotta use that to your advantage. Mm. Did you and believe I, it when she said it? Yeah, I understood what she was saying. That's mm. why they, that's why they like you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's why they do stuff for you. That's why they try to do this. This why they doing that. You know, she used to tell me that. 
Now it's really hitting home. <laughs> like I see the world, like right. wow, this is really, this is really serious. Right. So, and I understand what you said, but it's mm-hmm. it's real. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing, nothing you could do, you know. And, and, and a lot of us athletes, especially the NBA, the big, is a, the we the the my syndrome. You're like me. That's, I'm making forty million dollars. I ain't messing up. My, right. <laughs> I gotta take care of my family. That's right. I, can't I say, got mine. Yeah, I got mine. <laughs> what you expect them to do though? Right. You know, well, I'm not knocking them, but some people don't want to do that. It, it actually seems thing. like actually seems like the less a guy is making, like you look in the NFL, like uh, the the linebacker Brandon Mark, all the guys who are kneeling are the yeah. guys making the least yeah. amount yeah. of money. Yeah. When you would think that the guys making how the most about, money. How about all the quarterbacks, all the black quarterbacks yeah. rally around? Kaepernick. Kaepernick. Right. That's what I'm waiting for. Right. 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 Instead of I, saying, what, I respect them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I respect. If I was there, I was do. I rally with them. Right. right. You right. know. Because I'm mean, Russell. Right. I'm right. out Seattle. The Russell. How right. about it? Right. right. How about it? Cam. 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 Yeah, Cam, was almost, Cam was almost like. I'm just saying, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. But yeah. he needs. You know, everybody's starting to do their own thing. But in that profession, your your leaders are usually quarterbacks. That's right. How about all the black ones? Do that, you know. Say he's, he's our man. Yeah, this is our but this why? is our guy. Because they like, nah, I ain't messing up my door spits my money. Right. Right. And that, you know, and I, and I get it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our thing in this country has always been from day one survival. That's you be in the plantation and all that, and you may say, hey, listen, brother, you know, we talk. So okay, I'm gonna help you as much as I can, but you know, it's like you know, if you escape and fuck up, they gonna burn my shit down, you know. But so, that's what, that's what, I mean, yeah, and that's yeah. a re- <laughs> reality, you know. Yeah. But 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 you had different people. You had like some people said, you know, even on the plantation, we're gonna burn the whole shit down. <laughs> some people said, hey man, I'm gonna be Uncle Tom. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> <laughs> don't yeah, tell I, me, I, I, don't I, tell I, me no shit. You yeah, don't want I'm them to know. I'm warm in here. I'm warm in here. <laughs> I'm right. eating three meals. This right. food is good. Right. I ain't going out there. Emancipation yeah. proclamation. What are you talking about? You, yeah. I gotta go in there yeah. and job. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. I, I mean, it's funny, but no, no. our reality, but our reality has always been different people, different ways of protest, and we've always had to be very respectful of that. The Uncle Tom, the cat who's gonna kill everybody. The cat who, you know, like, like, like so I'll tell you, and I, I, I'm not mentioning the name, but me and my friends joke about who certain people are relative to the struggle. Now, some people, the four of us are here, we plot and escape, right? Now, some people, we just ain't going to invite. Because right, we right, know right. this guy. Now, some people may be there, and they won't tell, but when we finally escape to New York for freedom, oh. they will already be there. Oh. And, and they, <laughs> But they will be the ones that hook us up oh, for the apartments and, okay, the, and yeah. the house. You know, yeah. they won't tell on us, yeah. but they'll just be yeah. entrepreneurial you, enough yeah. to know that when you get there. You straight. Yeah. But, but don't put me in yeah, with y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't put me in with y'all. I ain't going to be run through the mud. And yeah. just, you know? Yeah. 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 But so, so I mean, and I, I mean that's kind of in the NBA, NFL, where there are a lot of it. it. But I do think, though, man, and this kind of gets, you know, a far field from a little bit of the document and all that. Yeah. But. But that is a reality, man. We have to be the reality of struggle. And and what you were saying is that, what can I do? Yeah, what's, I, what's next? See, what I do is, like what you do every Saturday with your program, I love right. doing it. I'll come in and speak to the kids, tell right. them my struggle, tell them my life. Let's go over basketball, speak to right. them, advise them, tell them some stories, hang out with them. They like right, it, right, all right. the basketball stories. Right, right. Get to them, you know? And I've done that all over right. in different cities, New Jersey, Atlanta, uh, New York, and I think just, spreading my experiences to the youth 
Right. You know, and, and maybe to catch one or two kids, maybe one of your kids that on, uh, today that I came and spoke, he'll catch what I was saying and right. then help him. But right. th th on a small token, that's that's what I could do. I'm not in the lead no more, but I still have a certain platform that I could use, and that's mm -hmm. what I try to do to uh, to to help the, our, our people. But you know, I think also it starts with the household too. Right, it's a cycle there with with uh, what's up with African Americans teaching our kids better, education wise about different issues. Right. You know about you know authority and about you know. Um, living the right way and doing things the correct way and just the whole realm you know i didn't i didn't live in a, a, a i lived in a dysfunctional home and still made it out because i had mentors mm. but i was also telling you about the mentors nowadays there's no more good mentors in the in the communities they all taking advantage of uh the young kids exporting them to hold guns and mm. do drug runs and mm. do all type of things you know what i mean mm. so our mentors was always on us for, about education, about bettering ourselves right. in basketball, about you know get off these streets, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you know, don't be out here all night, you know, things might happen, it might be a shootout out here. They was concerned, you know, with those you know who who had a, a, a talent, you know, mm -hmm. my neighborhood I know. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just that's what you could do is just you know hit you know different things with, with the youth. I, I believe the youth mm -hmm. it starts with the youth. Our guest uh, is great Kenny Anderson. Uh, the documentary is Mr. Chibs. It drops November 12th. And I uh, want you to see it, tweet it out. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back with our last segment. And we're going to talk about uh, retirement, yeah. uh, you know, life after basketball. And you're only 46 years old. So yeah, that's a whole, whole, bunch life of, whole bunch of life to live. So we're going to be right back. Oh, I get your age. <laughs> <laughs> this cat. <laughs> Hey, we're back with Bill Roden on sports. Jamal, what's going on, man? Murph. I'm chilling, man. You know, yeah, hit up this good. Knicks game. I was down at A&T, by the way. So Jamal went to North Carolina A&T. Yeah, mm. awesome. I went to Morgan, which was like kind of my, our rivals. You know, I tell everybody probably, you know. So I played football at Morgan. And so we had this 23-game winning streak. When I went to Morgan, when I went to Morgan, I was like, you know, freshman, 18. And Morgan hadn't lost a game in three years. And... I'd never been around a group of black men who had that kind of confidence. We came in, man, Caps just had this swagger, and the shit never got to the coach because it's the old guys who said, man, we don't do that shit here. That's not who we are. So this whole thing, we went right here down there to Yankee Stadium, beat Grambling, uh, nine to seven, one of the greatest games ever played, 24 straight, beat Norfolk State. Now we go into A&T, North Carolina A&T. And man, that's the first time I saw, man, we must have scored about three times. Each car, they called it back. Oh, his knee hit the ground. <laughs> his knee. And I'm like sitting there. I'm like, I can't believe this. And they said, this is what they call. So finally, they beat us. They beat us seven to six. Broke a winning streak and that kind of stuff. So anybody, anytime anybody tells me it I hurts. went to A&T, I just kind of look at him. In fact, Jamal, you know, mm -hmm. knew his dad and all that. And yeah, my son, he goes to school A&T. I said, what? Hey man, I'm sorry. You know? Still, yeah. anyway, but, I don't know why. Sometimes you have bad memories, man. You just got to get over. Yeah, it. I did. I was yeah. on the campus. Obama was there. <laughs> President Obama was there on campus, and, and we were in the same kind of auditorium, and it was yeah. very uplifting. Um, but 
there's no question at all. Can add it? I was just that was just riffing. Yeah. But listen, man. Before we let you roll, um, you know, we talked before about retirement, mm-hmm. and I don't know, but y'all left the Times in July, uh, yeah. and. You know, I was there for, you know, 34 yeah. years and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know how you feel, but it's like, I mean, I, I, now yeah. I'm going to be working with the undefeated and ESPN. But awesome. the idea of of retire, like, what, what do you do next? In particular, I imagine for an NBA player, yeah. you've been playing ball all your life since you were like in fourth grade. Now, all of a sudden, you ain't playing ball no more. So what's that been like? It's been ups and downs, but uh, I love it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had a great career. I love the NBA. I love all the relationships and all the players that I met along the way. Um, when I look at the games, and I, I'm a, I can't wait till the season start. I mm-hmm. always bring back memories when I see the Celtics playing at home. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I remember we I played in the Garden, mm-hmm. um, the Nets. Just, just different uh, emotions. Mm-hmm. But um, me, I, I'm trying to find something that – that I'm passionate about. It's always mm-hmm. working with the youth and working with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've been blessed where I don't have to, you know, work for a check. Mm-hmm. You know, some people just gotta go somewhere and just I'm working and they're miserable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I wanna I wanna go to work happy every day mm-hmm. and, and know that I'm doing something and it's gonna make me, you know, feel it's gonna reward me. It's gonna make me feel good. And I, I just think that's my my calling is just dealing with the youth in mm-hmm. some form or fashion. You interested uh, in uh, in coaching at all? I would. I thought I train kids now. Mm-hmm. I, I got uh, the clinic out in Tampa mm-hmm. that my face is on. I do the uh, the breakfast uh, club workouts every Saturday with Kenny Anderson. Mm-hmm. I love doing that. Um, I'm not sure if the right opportunity comes. You know, I'll look into it and, and may take it. But coaching, it depends. It definitely will have to be high school or college. Right. Uh, you know, if I get an NBA job, it'd be something where like I can. I would love to be a, a player development. Mm. Well, I'm just working with the players. Right. Just player development, something like that. Just giving off some of my life lessons and trying to help these kids to do the, the right things and not fall into some of the uh, pitfalls I made. You know what I mean? You did the one little stint in high school. How did that? How did you like that? that oh, I loved it. Stint? I loved it at Posnick. You know, um, I got a lot of coverage for the school. And then I got a DUI. That was my first offense in 20 years, but mm-hmm. the, my name was too big, and mm-hmm. I got the DUI, so I, I just had to step down because it was just a lot of uh, lot of hate. You know what I mean? Right. So it was, I was I understood it. Right. You know what I mean? And that was my mistake, and I you know I, I, that hurts me to this day because I let those kids down. Mm-hmm. But um, that was about five years ago, and you know did I you learned like my it? lesson. Did you, did you like I the loved experience? It. I loved it. Loved it. The kids mm-hmm. responded to me well, mm-hmm. and um, it helped me. I think after a, t- a lot of guys that play well in the NBA, that great players can't really don't know how to teach the game, mm-hmm. and it helped me. You know, I coached the minor leagues, mm-hmm. uh, and the CBA, and mm-hmm. you know, it helped me. It was just like rehearsal for mm-hmm. me to practice on uh, coaching coaching kids, not just in basketball, but in life also. And those guys responded to me very well. I was I was happy with it. You yeah. always welcome up here. Yeah, <laughs> if I was in New York, I'd be up here every day, just stopping by. You know, giving my two cents, oh, just trying to man. reach reach the kids and help them out. But I, I know when I'm in town, I know when the program I'm gonna stop by. Do yeah. you check out Malloy at all? You keep in touch over yeah, there. Yeah, Malloy. You mm-hmm. know, I love Malloy. I mm-hmm. usually go it's the weekends, but during the week, mm-hmm. if I come, I always stop see the teachers. Mm-hmm. That Malloy means a lot to me. You know, mm-hmm. my favorite math teacher, Miss uh, Lon Gerano, is still over there after twenty oh, wow. something years. Wow. 
I love it. Coach Curran. Coach Curran passed. But Malloy's still standing. There's two gyms now. And wow. Girls and boys. The gym that Kitty Anderson built. Yeah, wow. they got another gym. With, and then it's girls in there. Uh-huh. I went to Malloy when it was all boys. So. Yeah, and they got Cole Anthony Cole out there. Anthony. Greg got Anthony's son. Greg, yeah, he's a baller. Yeah. So we look good now. They got Moses, the big right, kid. Right, right, right. So we back on the map. Uh, hey, listen, Kitty, man. It's been yeah. it's, This has been great, man. Uh, you coming by. Uh, a to do the show, but to talk to the kids was priceless. I mean, yeah, yeah, you you got through. There are a couple of kids who are leaning on every yeah. every every word, you know. I always once before I go, Bill, mm. uh, Bill Ro, I always I, I always looked at you like a educated black man. Mm-hmm. You know, when you did some articles for me and uh, the Times and everything, mm-hmm. and I watch you on Sports Report. So I always had the utmost respect for you, and 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 that's the main thing. I just thought that's, that's an educated black man, man. <laughs> you know, and in, in, in this corporate. This corporate world holding his own, so hey, I, I respect you for that. Hey, brother, thank you very much, man. I, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll continue to go on. And uh, you know, that's really what all this thing is about, man. Is uh, people helping people, giving encouragement to people, because it's a struggle. Yeah, I mean, it's a struggle. And if we don't really encourage each other and let people know when you're doing a good job, you know, you have to let each. We don't do that enough, I don't think. I remember talking to Robert Parrish once yeah. about. Not basketball, but yeah. Serena and Venus, mm-hmm. and how we don't really give each other props enough. How we don't tell each other, you know, man, you really did some great stuff. I mean, wow, you really, Jamal, you really did a great job yeah. today, you know. But but seriously, we don't tell each other that enough. So um, all that's appreciated, man. Have uh, really admired your career, admired yep. just how you, you know, you you've you've had your your challenges, but how you yeah. met the challenge, have backed away from yeah. the challenges. And that's the thing. Nobody pitches a perfect game. I mean, that's you know, everybody gives up. If you could, if your line could read, you know, you know, you know eight innings pitch, gave up nine, but one. Right. You know, bottom yeah. line, he's got right. the W. Right. You know, I'm not trying out here trying to pitch no no hitter. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's just too hard. Yeah, yeah, it's very hard. You know, but uh, hey, man, much respect, Kenny. Yeah, thank you. Uh, good luck down the way. Congratulations. Yeah, I want you to come back. Documentary. Twenty uh, West Twenty Third Street Theater, Twenty uh-huh. Third and Eighth. Okay. Premiere November twelfth, Saturday night at nine forty five. I'm very excited. Tell my story. See, the, let the world see it, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. great. We'll tweet this out. Yeah, no, yeah. tweet this out uh, to all your social vast yeah. social media. And uh, no, man, I'm looking forward to it. Jamal, thanks, man. Nah, thanks for coming on. Even though he thought you would leave. Yeah, yeah, at first, at yeah, first. At first. <laughs> nah, hey, thanks so much, uh, Jamal, Kenny Anderson. Kevin Keating, I know it's gonna sound great. Right, you saw the uh, the camera. Thanks so much, and thanks everybody. And we'll see you next week. God bless. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.